Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another episode of the Sports Media Podcast Mini Pod Edition, where we focus on sports viewership and who better to have than John Lewis, founder and editor of Sports Media Watch, and Austin Carp, assistant managing editor slash digital for Sports Business Journal. Austin and John, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, uh, Austin, let me start with you. Um, let's get into a little bit of uh, World Series viewership predictions. By the way, there's nothing more I love than Brian Curtis of The Ringer tweeting out every year annually, uh, World Series <laughs> viewership will uh, not impact your life. Because then I always think about you and John and Anthony Krupe, yep. because the fact is it really does impact your lives. It, outside of our small little cadre there, yeah. It, it does not impact your lives, but it very much impacts the lives of me, John, and everyone else you were just pulling off. Yeah, it's good. It's good stick by Curtis. I like it. Um, uh, all right. So last year's viewership, Austin, I'm going to include the Spanish language and streaming. Six games for Houston, Philadelphia averaged a little over 12 million. Um, the prior year, 2021, six games for Atlanta, Houston averaged a little over. 12 million. Obviously, these numbers are way, way down from, you know, baseball and its glory days. There's a conventional wisdom out there that uh, Texas and the Diamondbacks, given um, they're not national teams, given we're not, we don't have a Philly or New York or Boston, et cetera, that the viewership numbers on this are going to tank. How do you see it? I agree with that sentiment. I think they are going to be. You know, maybe outside of that pandemic-induced Dodgers race six-game series in 2020, uh, it's going to struggle, I think, to stay above like 10 million viewers. Uh, there is, I mean, yeah, the two teams on the whole don't have the national following of some of these traditional clubs we've seen, you know, Dodgers and or even uh, hatred toward the Astros, like people tuning in to see them lose. Not just that, like, you know, I'm a pretty avid fantasy baseball player and I'm having trouble picking up names on, on some of these Diamondback on this Diamondback squad or on this Rangers squad, they're just not a household name that you're tuning in to see. Josh Hamilton ain't walk, ain't playing for the Rangers anymore, and like good luck reeling off you know popular players that are on the Diamondbacks. I just I, I see it being among the least viewed, maybe second least viewed World Series on record, unless it goes probably six seven games at a minimum. 
we hear John Lewis in Toronto know full well the Diamondbacks because of that horrible Gurriel Moreno deal. Uh, so I'm very familiar with the Diamondbacks, but I, I, I imagine I am an outlier when it comes to that. All right, so John, sort of the same question for you. I, I, I will note, and it's very important for our audience to hear this, and everybody who's in the business would say it. Like ultimately, what all these executives are rooting for is length. Like game sevens change the equation when it comes to viewership averages, certainly when it comes to ad revenue, et cetera. But based on what Austin said, just sort of on the matchups, do you agree with him that we are looking potentially at um, the lowest viewed World Series outside of the obviously the 2020 COVID World Series? I think that's pretty likely. But I don't necessarily think ratings will tank. So I kind of go to the Heat Nuggets NBA Finals as the template for this, where it was the least watched NBA Finals outside of the bubble since 2007. Obviously not great numbers historically, but it was only down a little bit from Warriors Celtics the previous year. And it was obviously way above the the COVID era numbers. Uh, I think that's what you'll see here. I think you take COVID out of the equation, this will be the least watched World Series, I think, of all time. But I don't think it's going to tank from last year. I think maybe it'll be down 10%, which is a sizable amount. But it's, we're not going to be talking about 20 30% declines. And depending on the length of the series, as you said, right? I mean, look at the LCS. Viewership is down double digits for the LCS until both series went seven games. And so if it goes to full seven... I actually think there's a non-zero shot that maybe it could even match or surpass last year, which only went six. So I think, you know, it depends on the length of the series, and I, I don't see it tanking from last year. Yeah, it's interesting. I'll go back to you, Austin, in a second. But, you know, the one thing about last year's number is, like, the Philadelphia market is just an incredible sports market. Like, they they just support their teams, particularly when they're in the – play up so i think if you're a television programmer like you just always feel good if they're around no matter what happens the the issue here and again i actually think it'll be a really interesting baseball series so i'm not knocking the series at all i think it points to what you sort of were talking about in your initial open is that there's not really a singular player or players that like i think a casual sports fan could latch onto at this point like the like if we were going to between the Rangers and the Diamondbacks, like who is the most famous player or the most well-known player on either team? Like is it Corey Seager? No, I got to think Max Scherzer. If he's, I was going to say or Max team. Scherzer, right? But so, but and no offense to Max Scherzer, but that's you know that that's not Otani, that's not Aaron Judge. Do you know what I mean? Like that's that's a pitcher who's been around for a while, but still not. You know, I don't, I don't have it in front of me, but I, I would doubt he's one of the ten. No, he's not a jersey. He's not one of the. Yeah, he's not one of the ten most bought jerseys in Major League Baseball. So I think that's where Fox and MLB just have a little bit of an issue. Is that, you know, I don't know how many, I don't know how many casuals outside of the diest hardcore baseball fans like are aware of some of the players on these teams, and that's a marketing issue to me. It, it, it is, and this is not the matchup I think that. Major League Baseball wanted. I think you ask anybody at MLB HQ, no, this is not necessarily the matchup. Yeah, that they they wanted. wanted Philly. To be honest. They wanted Philly, but there isn't going to be that draw. But I, I do agree with something that John said. I don't think it's going to fall off the map. This is not, and we're not coming off like the Cubs in the you know the World Series with a Game 7. It's right. not going to have that precipitous job like John was talking about. As long as it's not going up against the NFL, 
those World Series games, even if they're among the least watched ever, are still going to win the night among anything out there. It's going to top, probably double anything on scripted TV that they're throwing out there. So these are still, this is still an incredibly strong property, no matter who you put up there. Like if you're baseball, you got the fifth biggest market in Dallas, Fort Worth. You got the eleventh biggest media market in Phoenix. Like this isn't Buffalo versus Milwaukee, you know, in terms of market size here. These are relatively strong markets, and they need to grow the marketability around the players in a big market like Dallas, Fort Worth. Like you really need to grow. Like you said, Corey Seager needs to be more of a face of baseball so you can market in a huge, huge TV market like Dallas, Fort Worth. Yeah, the last one on this, I'll give you the last word on this, John. Like, you know, Austin, like, I think brings up something that's very important here in that, like, baseball as a property is fantastic. It gives you great season-long inventory. It's, um, it's the passion regionally is through the roof in a lot of these places. And it's not hockey in that it's like, oh, like, it's not only a regional sport in the final. Like, if you get the right national matchup, you know, the World Series can still do significant national numbers. It's not the Super Bowl, okay? It's not going to be the college football championship, you know, but it's a, it's like a top four tier kind of, um, you know, championship to me if you get the right team. So, um, you know, it, it, this is hard sometimes for people sort of, you know, in a hot take world. But no matter, to me, like no matter what the viewership is on this one, it's not going to tell you anything writ large about baseball. At least that's my that's my take. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think baseball has the kind of media coverage befitting 2006 era hockey. Like they are, they are, not, they're non-existent on any of the debate shows. But the reality is that baseball is closer to the NBA than the NBA is to the NFL. And you know, the reality is that the the the, the debate shows don't necessarily represent the actual popularity of these sports, they represent, you know, what gets numbers on debate shows. So, yeah, I, I think baseball is, is certainly not going anywhere anytime soon. I will say, though, as far as this matchup goes, they don't have the stars, and that's a problem. But more than anything, it's the randomness of it. Because, you know, if the Orioles were here, the Orioles don't really have any stars either, but they were one of the stories of the whole season. So the randomness is a problem. This is what Nate Silver was getting at. And, and, you know, Nate Silver says the sky is blue when he has, you know, 50 million ridiculous people on Twitter ripping him to shreds. But this is what he was talking about. The fact that you get to the playoffs and it's a five seed versus a six seed. That's not going to feel like something that was built to all season long. In fact, I don't think there's ever been an NBA finals with a five, six, five seed versus a six seed or even a Stanley Cup that was like that. So, you know, two straight years with the sixth seed in the World Series for baseball. Only the 95 Rockets ever did that in the NBA. You want to have the best teams or the teams that all season long were the top teams, whether they're big market or not. That's what you kind of want to see at this at this stage of the season. Well, my counter to that would be, though, but the, the expanded playoffs keeps keeps um, keeps cities in play. It keeps interest yeah. in the sport. You know, that expands beyond just the team that, you know, that that won the, um, you know, that had the most wins in a in a league. And it's not, you know, not like, let's put it this way, John, like I, I hear what you're saying. And I did see that Nate Silver tweet, but, you know, everything just becomes so loud. It's just it's yeah. like not even worth sort of talking about sometimes. But like, you know, if it's Baltimore versus Atlanta, 
I think those. I think Atlanta had the best record in the National League. Uh, right. Correct me if I turn out to be wrong. Th- that's not John. That's no guaranteed viewership juggernaut between those two teams in the World Series, and you would have had the two best teams regular season wise. Well, I think that would have done pretty well. I mean, not necessarily great blockbuster Cubs or even Dodgers Astros or anything, but I don't. I think if it was Orioles Braves, we wouldn't be. I, I agree with you. It's inter- It's an interesting series, but I'm just saying historically. You know, that's not that's not Yankees Dodgers. Like no. we'd have to see what that no. is, you know? I think we wouldn't be wondering if it would be an all time low heading into an Orioles Brave series. I oh that I that I agree with. And we know John Oran and, and Austin Carp would be excited about that World Series too, right? <laughs> yeah. With the Orioles. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Um all right, listen, I just want you guys to know you want to take a guess just for fun. The nineteen give me the nineteen ninety one World Series. What was the average viewership for that? Uh, 32 million. Good guess, John. What about you, Austin? I'm going to go higher. 34 million. Austin Carp with the win there. 35.680 oh, <laughs> million average. That's incredible. I may write a piece. I just wanted to go see Bob Barker at the wheel. I'm sorry. I just, I had I to may, go. I may write a piece that the reason why baseball is not getting 35 million viewers a night for the World Series is because of the NBA. I just want to blame the NBA mm. for it. So there we go. All right. Speaking of the NBA, this is my see what a cheap segue I had there. Um, so the NBA opening night, John Lewis, I'll go back to you, has to go against D backs Phillies game seven. That's rough because you know, again, as we talked about earlier, Philly Philadelphia is a great television market. Um, they're always gonna bring numbers. Game sevens are just exciting. That's where casual fans absolutely come in. That game draws essentially nine million viewers if you want to round it up. And so it has to take away some numbers from the NBA. The NBA is opening night. Lakers Nuggets, 2.8 million. Suns Warriors, 2.7 million. So, John, from my perspective, I see that as like, that's not a bad number for the NBA going against the Game 7. And I feel like if Game 7 doesn't exist there, those two games probably are 3 million or so. And then everybody's, you know, then the story is the NBA sort of matches its season opener from last year as opposed to being down a tick. How did you see it? I agree with that. I think the NBA probably would have fared much better without that competition. It was a real factor, but it was also the least watched opening night in nine years. And the NBA has held up a lot better opposite World Series games in the past, including in 2016 when it was Cubs Cleveland. And that had 19 million viewers. The NBA was still over 3 million that day with the caveat that was the day KD debuted with with Golden State. But, uh, you know, I don't think it was bad necessarily but you know i i don't think anyone would have gone in expecting a nine year low even with that baseball competition and uh you know it was the least watched lebron season opener since 08 uh which is kind of crazy i think the nba misjudged how many people were interested in the lakers nuggets rivalry uh if there is an e- if there even is one uh i i don't necessarily think that resonates with people uh and um yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it, it, I would say not a panic number, but certainly not a number the NBA is going to be uh, bragging about. Yeah, no, listen, I think, that, I think that's fair. Like, I, you know, I, I, you, it's not a number like, oh man, the, the, the NBA is, is back in the Jordan era. But I do think, I, I, I do think there are some caveats as to why it's less than it would have been. And the caveat, obviously, is game, 
Um, seven. I do think you bring up a really interesting point about that. I didn't even think about that. The Lakers Nuggets as your opening night game. You know, LeBron is still, you know, one of, if not your biggest star, and it is the championship Nuggets. Um, and while they don't have a rivalry, I do kind of like highlighting the Nuggets because I think they're going to be a great team all year and you want to push. Austin, you can sort of comment on this, but here's what I want to get to sort of in the NBA. What I'm going to watch and what's going to be really, really interesting is San Antonio when they're on national games in Webb and Yama. Because, like, I have to say, and I admit I'm an NBA watcher and I, I think the, it's a great sport and I'm a fan of the sport. I'm really just fascinated by this guy because he's so different and so unique and it feels like something special and unique when I'm watching. And so I'll be curious for when we're, we're not going to have the number uh, until later today or tomorrow. What the Spurs number is, just because like my, I have a thesis that if he, if he can stay healthy, that he's going to be one of the five like most you know viewership draws in the NBA, and I think that will help the league. Uh, but maybe I'm also overhyping him a little bit. So I, no. I'll be curious on your t- your first night take, and then just what you think about Webanyama as well. Well, first, I do think you're going to see a little bit of that Zion sort of following, like people want, tuning in to see him for the first time, first couple games. You saw with hockey during its opening couple of games, first two nights of Connor Bedard, people tuning in to find the Blackhawks and see this kid play. Yeah, great point. Obviously, in a different scale with the NBA, and I think the numbers won't be at Zion-type levels. But I am, I'm also kind of surprised that if you're not going to put in an East Coast team on opening night, and it was four, you know, four basically West, West teams – Throw Wembenyama in that early primetime window against the Celtics or a Bucks or a Sixers or somebody like that. And then you could do Lakers Nuggets in the 10, 10, 30 window, whatever that is. So that kind of surprised me seeing Lakers, yeah, in, in that opening window. Um, I think you would have gotten a much better number there with, with Wembenyama opening night or first window. So if there was a change, I would have done that. I'm sure there are scheduling issues that that's why they chose a certain path, but Hindsight is twenty twenty when when you see the numbers. Yeah, John, do you think John Lewis, do you think uh would you have done Celtics Knicks instead of Lakers Nuggets early well, and then do Suns Warriors? Well, I would not have split the Lakers and Warriors because they played on opening night the last two or three years and the numbers were always good. I would have said you have to put Denver on opening night. We know Denver is not a good TV draw. Maybe you put Wembenyama against the Nuggets and capitalize on his individual drawing. Oh, pack. yeah. Put that yeah. on at eight and then put the Lakers Warriors on at 1030. Because remember with Zion, the Raptors weren't a good TV draw either. And they were the defending champs. You had to put them on on opening night. The NBA put Zion opposite the Raptors. Just so happened he was hurt, so he didn't play. But the 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 strategy then was, okay, we've got this team. We have to feature them on opening night. We know they're not a great TV draw. Let's bring in this hyped rookie to play against them. And then we can have our, our marquee game in the late window afterward. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Let's move to the NFL, Austin. Um, You know, I sort of took notice that the week seven viewership numbers were just 
off the charts in terms of um, in terms of year over year increases. You know, I think some of that obviously is what the games were in 2022, but mm-hmm. every network seemed to pop. Not just like we're up three percent here, but like we're up double digit percentages. And I think as of now, this Krupi would be really good on this because he's he's very granular on these numbers. But um, the the numbers are uh, the league is up. I'm I'm fairly certain over last year through Doing week well. seven, but did you um what were your thought? Did you just have some overall thoughts on week seven? Because man, like some of those viewership increases were crazy big. Yeah, I mean Chiefs in that CBS national window, so they got a good pop there. I really, you know, say what you want about the Taylor Swift lift, uh, whether it's a real thing, but they drew their best what week seven national window in a number of years. It's the early regional window that really got me for CBS. I mean, that Jets upset helped them to like their best week seven regional window since the late 90s. I think since they became an NFL partner again. So reaching way, way back on some of these numbers. But yeah, it it seems to be a rising tide this season where a lot of the partners, especially Amazon with its schedule early on in particular, you know, is it's all rising. The, the, The tide is rising. And I think that they are going to see some sort of increase over last season, which is impressive as the league just continues to grow. Uh, what about you, John, in terms of sort of your, your week seven NFL viewership thoughts? Well, I'll, I'll shout out Robert Seidman and just remind us all about out-of-home viewing, of course. Yep, always absolutely. With, uh, with uh, the ratings. I will also say the week seven increases were impressive, but you know, there's also some explanation for it. Like, for example, Monday Night Football is up over 50%. Well, this year's game is simulcast on ABC. ABC, Last year's game wasn't. Um, Sunday Night Football up a third in viewership. Well, it was Dolphins, Eagles, two five and one teams. I don't remember what Dolphins Steelers was last year, but I don't remember there being much anticipation for that that game. Um, The the national window, Chargers, Chiefs, obviously a, a high for CBS, but up a modest amount, 6% in ratings, 9% in viewership from Chiefs 49ers on, on Fox last year. And uh, the early window on CBS did well, uh, up 15% in, in ratings and 17% in viewership. Uh, and, and that was, as as Austin said, pretty impressive uh, for the Patriots upset of, of Buffalo. Um, so it was a great week. And of course, let me not forget Amazon TNF up over 20% for Jaguars Saints. The NFL is clearly doing quite well this year. Um, it's uh, just been a tremendous year for the league, and mainly because of that ABC window on Monday nights, I think it will be comfortably up from last year for the season. I think I definitely said Jets instead of Pats in that regional window, so thank you, John. Uh, no Austin, e- ESPN put out um, some overall numbers for 2023, said that they had their um, best viewership number in persons 18 to 49, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, since 2019. Going back to John Lewis's point, I do think, uh, you know, we must give out-of-home viewership, um, sort of acknowledge that, that, that that's probably, a you know, a big part of why they pop. That said, listen, you know, if you can, anytime, you you know, anytime you could say you're up, you're winning in 2023 in a, in a, in a court-cutting pay TV declining universe. Um you know, you, you you write about this stuff every week. What'd you make of that when uh, the fanfare that ESPN PR and company put out on that? Richard, I think you hit the nail on the head. Up is up. And yeah, best since 2019. The superlatives always there. I'm always thinking, like we talked about, 
out of home has so much to do with that. If you really want to impress me these days, you got to reach back before, you know, 2018 and earlier for some sort of superlative to really, really perk my ears up. Um, but up is up. And they've had an impressive run here with, you know, women's basketball and, you know, WNBA. A lot of the properties that they are continuing to pay for have seen rises over the last year. And that's why they wanted to tout that. They wanted to, you know, show off a little bit. Uh, John, you have any thoughts? I'm sure you saw that press release as well. Yeah, well, I would say uh, what wasn't in the press release, but based on the numbers that I've looked at, this is the most watched season of Monday Night Football through seven weeks since the last season on ABC in 2005. Not a coincidence because this is the first season really where ABC has aired games every week since 2005. I think a lot of this is that ABC factor. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, it's going to be really difficult to see how ESPN goes back to just putting these games on cable next year. I think they will because you need to have that exclusivity for ESPN. But the rating success this year, I would put that primarily at the feet of ABC carrying the games every week. Mm, okay, interesting. All right, last one here. I'll get you guys out of here. Um, Austin, you wrote about this in um, in uh, Sports Business Daily, and that is the U.S. media markets. We have some. We have a couple new ones in the top ten. the The top five in terms of largest media markets in the country remain the same: New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago, Philly, Dallas, Fort Worth, but. Um, Houston has moved up, right? Mm -hmm. And Boston has moved up. Yeah. So can you give my, uh, the listeners here just a little bit of the sense of what were the moves that happened in the five to 10 category and what does that mean? Yeah. Like you said, New York, LA, Chicago, Philly, Dallas, still your top five, but Houston passed Atlanta for six and six and seven respectively. Boston passed DC and the Bay area. I'm talking San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose. That makes up your top 10 right there. That's th Those are big markets. You want to see generally those teams appearing in your finals, NHL, NBA, you know, NFL is a little agnostic, but, you know, the, the RSN driven teams, you're going to want a lot of those clubs there. Um, some of the other markets I'm paying attention to, I'm, I'm watching the rise of a, a market like Raleigh, like pushing Charlotte, and I think it's going to pass Charlotte soon. I'm watching Memphis. It's on the rise. I really think that the Raleigh TV market, you know, the research triangle area, within the next year or two is going to pass Charlotte in terms of media size. And you're like, okay, who cares? Like, but those are the sorts of things that leagues look at when they're thinking about expansion. It's one of the factors, especially with baseball. I mean, Charlotte comes up every time a team wants to move or there's talk of expansion. Charlotte is at the top of that list. But now like Tom Dundon, the owner of the Carolina hurricanes up in Raleigh is like, well, I think we have the space and the market to put it up here potentially. So is Raleigh, a serious player there. Can they be a serious player in future expansion talks? So that's why I like paying attention to these media markets. Yeah, no, I find it fascinating. It's just really interesting just in terms of like if you're interested in demographics and population and stuff like that. So, John, I, I don't know if you saw Austin's piece or you just came across uh, the new Nielsen numbers, but did anything stand out to you in terms of some of these um, – some of these cities that are moving up. I mean, to me, just on a demographics play, like Houston moving up is really interesting because like, I think Houston's going to continue to gain in population, and that's interesting to me. But Austin's point about Raleigh, I didn't even, never, I didn't even know that. That's really interesting. And if you think in terms of expansion, he's totally right. How did you what, – what's your thoughts on this? 
Well, I mean, forget about Raleigh, right? What about Hartford, uh, which I believe is still the, the still the top market without a team. And also, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Austin, I believe that market also moved up in the new rankings. Uh, so Hartford, yeah, Hartford, to me, not having a team, you know, the NHL obviously was there uh, and, and no longer is. There's a team in the National Hockey League that plays in a college stadium called the Arizona Coyotes that uh, maybe Hartford might be an interesting market to uh, to put them in. I would love to see. I mean, the Whalers, one, that had a cool jersey. And uh, and two, that would be great. Um, I, but, you know, in just reading about the NHL, there has not seemed to be any interest in uh, in returning to Hartford. But Raleigh, that's, that's good for listeners, Austin. I think people should... Uh, People should pay attention to, to that when they make it. also has a good point, though. You know, the size of Hartford. Like, people need to remember, this is bigger than Columbus, Ohio, bigger than Kansas City, Cincinnati, Milwaukee, established pro markets with multiple pro teams. The Hartford market, none. Yeah, interesting. All right, uh, John Lewis, of course, founder and editor of Sports Media Watch, Austin Karp, uh, longtime staple sports business journal. I appreciate both of you guys for joining me today on this mini podcast want to thank patrick antonetti of course for all his hard work thanks to everybody at odyssey for their support as i have said we'll continue uh, to do some of these mini podcasts throughout the uh the nfl season and i'm sure john and austin will be back and for them and for patrick i thank you for listening we'll see you soon on the sports media podcast